Hello and welcome to the SEO SAS podcast with myself, Sarah McDowell, SEO specialist at LikeMind Media and the wonderful and beautiful Hannah Bryce, SEO manager at Gymshop. We call ourselves SEO SAS because we are your special answering service when it comes to SEO. Me and Hannah are geeks about the subject. We love discussing, we love debating, so we thought why not make a podcast and hopefully it'll bring some value to you. So yes, we hope you enjoy the show. This show is brought to you by the team at Like Mind Media. Like Mind Media help clients find their audience and start having conversations with them, whether that's on social media, content or even podcasts just like this one. We're actually using their podcasting equipment right now. They're super lovely people who take time to understand your business and think like Thanks, Hannah. So this week, unfortunately, we don't have Hannah, as like I always say, life does get in the way. And whilst we'd love just to do podcasts 24-7, but it doesn't mean that you're just left with me. No, do not worry, because we all know that podcast that just has me presenting, who knows what will happen. There'll be no structure. Who knows what I'll end up talking about? And yes. So uh, obviously, we've got some exciting news because I have managed to persuade a lovely person to come onto the show to talk about technical aspects of SEO. So This week, we have the lovely Jeff Luella, who is the Senior Platform Engineer and Senior Technical SEO Manager at Search Discovery. And he also co-hosts the wonderful Page 2 podcast with the other star of the show, Jacob Stoops. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. Jake is the star of the show. I'm just the the jester in the background. Oh, Big jokes once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) No, you both provide as much value as each other. Yeah, you know, it's 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 been a fun ride. I mean, Jake really started the first half of that, you know, of he started the whole podcast and then brought me in in season two to help just it is a lot of work, as you know, yes, <laughs> to do it. So it's yes. one of those things where um, we now kind of split some of the duties. He still does most of the heavy lifting, but I get to do, you know, he's slowly peeling things off and giving it to me to do to, to kind of keep the pr- promotion so, part of it going. So it's a partnership, I'm guessing. Yes. Yes, very That's much good. so. So obviously I am in the UK and you're over in the USA. So yes. we, I've already done most of my day and, but you, you're just starting your day because it's just the just morning starting. for you guys, isn't it? Yeah. It's a uh, nine 30 in the morning right now. Do you have so. a morning routine or anything? You know, it's funny. So currently I work remotely for my company. So before I worked remote, like I was out the door by 6.30 a.m. because um, a traffic in Atlanta, Georgia is ridiculous. And if you leave at any normal time, you'll be sitting in traffic for two hours. Um, so I would always just grab something real quick and go on the road. But now that I work from home. Um, I get to sleep in a little bit later, uh, but I do wake up. I cook myself a little bit of a breakfast. Um, what is that breakfast normally? Oh, normally. So t- today was just traditional bacon and eggs. <laughs> and usually it's something that's a quick like protein or something that I'm just putting in there. And uh, actually I've been cutting back a little bit more on breakfast. I've been reading a lot about intermittent fasting. Right. Why? Um, I, you know, I got a little bit of a pot belly and trying to learn a little bit more about, you know, 
cutting that back. I haven't gone into it yet, but I've kind of been gearing myself up. And every month this year, I want to plan something that I'm going to try something for a month. So February, I'm going to try intermittent fasting and seeing how that goes. I probably am going to break within like four days of it though, because (laughs) I wake up hungry every day and (laughs) <laughs> but I always make my cup of coffee and I, I sit down and start reading some of the news before I get into, you know, work mode. And then usually around 830, I'm kind of starting emailing clients and getting that, getting my work day going. It's tough though, being remote. Like it's, it's one of those weird things. I love it. And then I also miss being in an office and, and talking to my coworkers. We, t- we do a lot of communication through Slack. So okay. it is, it is a nice little uh, It's nice to be in touch there, but I do sometimes miss sitting in the office itself. Being surrounded by folks. To start the podcast, I thought it'd be quite fun to do a sort of quick, quick fire round. But before we get into that, would you give us and our listeners a brief overview of who you are and how you sort of got into this world of SEO and digital marketing? Sure. So I am... Jeff Luella. (laughs) I I work for a company called Search Discovery. Um, When I started working for the company, I worked in, I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I moved to Atlanta, Georgia for this job. Um, It was the first time I'm 46 now, well, I will be 46. (laughs) And this is my, the first kind of time I've left my hometown ever to be, to be somewhere else. And scary times then. Yeah, it was rough at first, but actually I gave my wife the choice. I said, give it two years. (laughs) And, and if we, if you do not like it, we'll go back. And within six months, she's like, we're good. <laughs> you don't have to worry uh. about that. So, so that's been great. But in general, um, I've been doing this for a long time and I started off my career as a web designer back before there were really web designers. I just, in high school, I actually used like Photoshop, like one or two, I forget exactly what the number was, <laughs> but I worked it, I worked it with the school newspaper and just put, you know, kind of printed some things out there, worked for the print press and stuff like that. After that, kind of didn't know there was kind of work out there doing graphic design. So when I went to college, I went for just general arts and and communication type of degrees. But I took an HTML class to learn just web design in general or or building a website. I was a DJ, not Mm. a very good one, (laughs) Um, but I wanted to promote my music. I I used to DJ drum and bass in the mid nineties and and early two thousands. That is a genre of music that I'm not going to pretend that I know anything about, but anyway, (laughs) continue. That is fine. Yeah. So we, we, so I wanted to promote my own websites and so I learned to build websites or promote my music. And, um, it was interesting. I I kind of, I'm a big nerd at heart anyway. So the websites weren't very good, but I learned how to use something called real player and real media back then, which was like where you can stream music. Now it's kind of easy with MP3s and stuff. (laughs) So, and back then everyone had really slow internet, so it (laughs) really wasn't like great. And we didn't have analytics, but I also worked at a electronic company in the States called Best Buy. And um, I had a customer come in looking for a digital camera when digital cameras first came out. And and I asked him what he needed it for. He said, my company builds websites. I said, I build websites. Um, I went to a computer, used the, the modem to dial out and showed him websites I built. He hired me on the spot. Awesome. And yeah, so I, I started off as like a designer, but I wasn't very good at design. Um, I worked with some amazing developers. So I leaned towards the technical side and they taught me a lot about development. Cool. So I, I became a web developer for kind of more of a front end web developer. I was not a, a great back end programmer, but having some design sense, I was kind of that middleman between designers and like back end developers. So I made sure my HTML was great. HTML people, and, and especially at that time, were kind of like rock stars in the development world because people can view your source and see how awesome it was. 
it, it was it was a fun time there, but I really focused a lot on like clean code and accessibility, which translates really well to SEO. So I was at a yes. company oh, called uh, Razorfish. Yeah. <laughs> and Razorfish, um, I was I was kind of looking to leave to go somewhere else because I worked a lot in healthcare and healthcare is not the most innovative section in the world, but the person who ran the SEO team took me out to lunch one day and said, like, how would you love to come to SEO? And I was like, I don't want to write title tags forever. <laughs> and he's like, nope, I just need you as a, a technical person to rip apart websites, understand how like Google gets through a website. So when we have like a roadblock, we know how to get around it. Um, so I took him up on that offer and it's been 15 years since and or around 15 years, maybe it's 14, but um, been kind of specializing in SEO ever since. And the rest is history. Exactly. So that was the that was the short answer there. <laughs> no, that's good. I think that was a good overview then. And I always cuz whenever I have conversations with other SEOs or we get people on the podcast, it's always interesting to find out how they got into the industry because everyone's story is different. So it's just yeah. really interesting. Cool. So, are you ready for a bit of fun quick fire? Yes. So, I'm literally going to bang out 10 questions in a row and without thinking you just got to give me an answer okay okay beginning now night owl or early bird night owl night in or night out uh night in these days (laughs) tea or coffee coffee beer or wine Mm, beer good answer cats or dogs (laughs) uh dogs summer or winter uh summer that's why i moved to the south (laughs) beach holiday or city break uh, beach holiday. Hrefs or Semrush? Ooh, I'm an SEMrush guy. Semrush. <laughs> Google or Bing? Oof, Google. <laughs> <laughs> Black hat or white hat? Oh, white hat. Oh, uh, there we go. That brings us to oh, the end of the That was then? Well, All yes. Right. I just thought, because I'm always thinking of ways to, I don't know, like develop on this podcast. So I thought a quick fire, giving answers really where you're not thinking you sort of like get to know the person so and I have to agree on so you prefer you said dogs over cats and coffee over tea and I have to 100% agree on that front yeah I drink my coffee black (laughs) me too we are the same person (laughs) ever since I started drinking it black I really like care about the coffee now and it's before when you load it up with cream sugar or whatever you put in it like I didn't care I would just take a Keurig k-cup and throw it in the machine now yeah I'm like I'm at stores like trying to get like freshly roasted Ethiopian coffee or something like where you can really taste the differences between the countries yeah Um, I'm with you there I am with you there so obviously we we sort we sort of know you now as much as we can after sort of 10 minutes so obviously I said that we brought you on to talk about technical side of SEA Mm -hmm. but before we do that because obviously you co-host like I said in your intro you co-host the wonderful page two podcast and obviously I run a podcast as well so I thought we could sort of go through some questions relating to that and yeah if you could tell us a bit about it so First off, how did you get into being a co-host? Uh, so Jake and I work together and we've worked together actually at another company before that. And um, Jake started the podcast. So he, he put in all the work, the effort, naming, got the structure down and did the first 25 episodes himself. Um, he took a little break because it is a lot of work to it do it. It is. So Amen he, to that, sister. Yeah. So he called that season one. Um, and season two, he wanted to kind of um, get some help because sometimes, you know, when it's one-on-one questions like we're, we're doing right now, there could be, you know, it's just better to have a second person there to kind of fuel the fire and, and get those questions in place. So he 
asked me if I wanted to do it. And I said, sure. You know, I, I kind of about three or four years ago, I kind of had the idea of doing it. And I, when I went remote in my work, I was like, well, I'm going to kind of treat this like a podcast. And I bought a, a decent microphone and I kind of set up my system to, to be able to record that way. And it only really has benefited me. I'm having like good sound on like customer calls right now. Right. So when I am talking to my clients, um, I do get a lot of compliments like, wow, your system sounds so nice because I'm not sitting in a conference room where 17 people are echoing off of a wall. <laughs> so I do come out that way, but it's one of those things where I was always debating doing it, but I knew the work that would take to do it. So when Jake offered, I was like, great, you did all the hard part right now. <laughs> and, and I get to kind of bask in some of the glory of it. So that's, that's kind of the fun. Now it's still tons of work, right? Trying to get promoted and. Oh, it is. Get, and get people to listen. It's the hardest part of all. Like when I first started this podcast, I was so naive and I thought to myself, right, an episode can range anywhere between like half an hour and an hour. Let's stick on another hour for everything else and jobs are good in. I didn't sort of factor in the the planning of it, the recording of it, the promoting of it, the getting people to come and be guests on it, the maintenance of it everything like yeah it is a lot of work lot. <laughs> it is a lot and you're way more organized than us so oh. you said you sent over a list of questions and we just like to go free form <laughs> yes see i mean the reason why i need a bit of structure though because my brain is a little bit i see something shiny and i just go there or I just, my brain just works at a million miles an hour. And sometimes I don't finish a sentence before moving on to the other. And, the same way. and sometimes <laughs> that's why I need a bit of structure. And that's why I always send questions ahead of time, I suppose. Just so then, yeah. I'm like Which Monica from Friends, organized fun. <laughs> favorite my episodes, guests so far? Oh, so, you know what? It's, it's the favorite thing about the podcast so far is that after so many people and how many people just say yes, right? Not knowing anything, it's great that way. But I think like one of the people we were really surprised that when we, when we asked, they said yes, was uh, Martin Split from Google. Like we just reached out, we wanted to learn more about JavaScript SEO and things like that. And that was a really fun kind of episode. It, it's just a great time just to, to actually talk to people from the big G. It's been <laughs> nice to go through there, but there's actually... A lot of people that I was, you know, I don't know much about, right? Like you only know about them on Twitter or I'm, not, I, I'm on Twitter. I'm just not a great Twitterer. Like I'm not out there. I don't have tons of followers. I, I don't really participate as much as I should. Mm. Um, so just learning and meeting people and, and things like that's been great. But um, learning and meet, Martin's one of those people that I always knew of because I love his videos and I think he's like very accessible, which is great. And really is like SEO in general. I mean, people build websites and like make them terrible. And he's really great at like just giving us tips on how to make them better. Fixing. He's the fixer. Yeah. And just, and he's not saying don't do this, right? Don't build your website in JavaScript. He's just saying, if you are, here's the better things you can do to make it happen. So. I, I definitely, so the longer that I've worked in SEO, so when I first got into it, I thought that there was like sort of the right way and the wrong way to do things. And the more that I'm sort of working with, in the industry, working with different clients, working with different industries, working with different websites. Yes, there are elements of a website that can make it hard for 
Google and SEO, but sometimes it can't be helped. So rather than saying no, it's finding ways around it or adjusting or thinking a bit outside the box. So rather than their SEO being so black and white, you have to be a bit more flexible. And I'm learning that more as I go along. No, and that gets me in trouble a lot with uh, with clients because I'm like, well, it depends. That's well, like, that's you know, the, your favorite SEO answer. Yeah, that's <laughs> so. a stereotypical answer, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it, it? There's a lot of things we can do, right? So there's, is it optimal? Like I'm going to give you my like optimal solution and you're going to tell me that we can't do X, Y, and Z. And I will say, okay, well, these are the, this is what we can expect now, right? Maybe we're only going to get, 50% more successful than we are now instead of 100%. But still, that 50% might be millions of dollars depending on the client that you're with. So there, there's ways around that. And then I always keep pushing. Like I have my initial plan. And as we get closer, I'm like, this is still our goal up here. <laughs> like yeah. I, I didn't forget about that. You might have forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and that's kind of how I, I try to work with a lot of my clients. And, and sometimes there's limitations just in the system that you have, or maybe even yeah. the industry you're in, right? I, I work with some like healthcare companies that are very niche and it's like, we're never going to get a million views, right? We're never going to get yeah. this amount of, but if we can own our space, you know, it, doctors are going to come to our site. We're going to be the expert in that. And when, you know, someone actually needs this product, they'll think of us. And that's kind of, you know, only, 0.1% of the people might ever need this, but that, you know, we just want to own that space that yeah. we have. And it's just kind of keeping it real there. And it's managing clients' expectations. I exactly. had one of those facepalm phone conversations the other day. So I was talking to someone that came across me and wanted to talk about SEO. And from the first sort of this was the first initial chat and I hadn't had chance to look at their site, do any research, look at like analytics. I had nothing like that. And one of their questions was, well, how soon can I see results if I start, if we start tomorrow? And that was an utter facepalm. And I was just thinking, are you, are you serious? Are you seriously asking me that question right now? Because <laughs> how can I give you an answer when I don't have any data to base it on? I, I said to, I think I said to them, well, I could just, you know, stick my finger in the air and pull out a figure out do you, or period. And I just, those questions, it just mind boggles me because I get that people don't really understand SEO, but surely I don't know. I am right. I am I moaning about <laughs> something? I don't know. What do you think? No, sales teams don't want to hear that, and the client doesn't want to hear that. But it's a lot of time. It's the truth. So I like to actually say, like, hey, t- typically we can see thirty to forty percent, you know, increases if you do everything we say. <laughs> and that was one of those ones where it's like, if you do everything we say, which most people do not do. So <laughs> I always like to leave that out there. It's like, oh, it's on you that we didn't do better. But that's not. That's not what everyone wants to hear either too, right? So it is tough, especially if you like only clicked around the website, but haven't seen any of the data, like how good are you doing now? What kind of rankings do you have now? Like it's, you know, those are like, how old your website? There's so many questions you can be asking at that point to say, you know, have you ever been penalized? Because that can actually add some more to it. And so I, I would probably just start asking a bunch of questions first. And then at the end saying, you know, hey, typically we can see your movement and it, I always say three months to begin with, but you know, we're not going to be number one in three months. We're just going to start seeing the movement going through. And then yeah. a lot of people don't want to hear that either. It depends how big or small or how desperate the company is. Cause I've had some companies that seem like they were about to go out of business if we didn't do this now. And those are not the situations I want to be in. So no, definitely. Cause then, yeah, you don't know how long they're going to stick around and that, yeah, that, 
Oh, yeah. I've, I've had customers where I have crushed it in three months and they went up and they still didn't have the, you know, their whole in their mind was three months. And when three months was up, they, they left and figured they can do it in-house um, or, or maybe went to another company. You know, I, I'm not sure how a lot of companies work, but usually the smaller companies are that way. Um, when you get to larger companies, it takes longer because there's a lot more ticker tape to get through and a lot more. Oh, yeah. Like there are a lot more politics involved. Yeah. Sometimes the, the, those smaller sites are like the most because it's I'm talking to the person who owns the site. Their heart's in it. My heart's in it, which is great. When you get to those really big kind of level sites, no one's, I mean, people's hearts may be in it, but it's like, well, I need to go through like X, Y, and Z and get through all the different um, layers of the politics. And, oh, my design team doesn't talk to my dev team, which doesn't talk to the marketing team. and. Those, those are kind of the ones that I like reason I don't have any hair anymore because I pulled it all out during this. <laughs> Moving on then, looking at your LinkedIn profile, because obviously I did some stalking, <laughs> obviously professional <laughs> stalking uh, for the podcast. And on your profile, you say that you specialize in the technical side of marketing, focusing on, mm-hmm. focusing on e-commerce. So yes. I've got a, a couple of questions around that, starting with what common issues do you often sort of come across? So in the e-commerce world, there's on the technical side, we tend to run into a lot of needless pages. So we once you get to, there's like kind of like three sections to uh, kind of e-commerce. We'll say four. You have your homepage, you have like your main category pages, then um we call those like category landing pages and you have your product landing pages, which list all your products. So your categories might break it down, you know, men's, women, clothing, and then you get down to your product listing pages, which list all the products in there. In those sections there, a lot of times, especially on, if you're on a big site. So if you're on a site that has 500,000 to a million products, you're going to have some sort of faceted navigation, which is going to allow the customer to break it down. Like, so if we are selling clothing, you want to be able to click like I um, a male. I mm. you know, wear size medium. I like you know the color black, and um, I'm looking you know for a specific type of garment. A lot of systems like those can go on endlessly. There might be like I wanted something that's on sale between ten and twenty dollars. Right. And yeah. Of, <laughs> and all of those will break down and in in theory like makes a really specific targeted landing page for anyone who is searching that deep. But what happens a lot of times in e-commerce is that depending on the way you click those, you can actually get a different URL for each one of those. And sometimes you might, you know, do we really want to have 10 clicks to get to a page? So really tightening that up and maybe for the customer, it'll be great. But for Google, I feel like the larger the product base, the more products we have, the more kind of facets we have, our site can go from like a million pages to 30 million pages. Mm. And Google will kind of say like, oh, that's not a problem. We can get through that. But there's a lot of talk kind of on the internet with crawl budgets and things like that, where Google's only going to spend so much time on your site, unless you're someone like Amazon or or huge, where they probably are on it nonstop. Um, But they're only going to spend so much time every day on your site. And we want them to get the pages that we really want them to get to and kind of get a lot of that I'm going to call it junk or like wasted space in the middle out. And we want them to get from page one to the final page as quick as possible. And I think we do a lot of harm in e-commerce where UX people will talk and say, you know, we want to only have like five products or eight products or 10 products on a page. Um, Google wants you to load fast. So that kind of goes into that section there. But as a, a customer, like I hate clicking next. 
And there's so many <laughs> of e-commerce sites out there where I'm on page two of 3,800 and I'm not clicking 3,000 times through your site to, to browse your catalogs. So maybe increasing the amount of products per page, breaking out your categories a lot further. So instead of kind of leaving it to faceted navigation, actually have it like as a true traditional category and, and then like try to get as not as minimum amount of uh, products per section, but pages. Like we don't want to have 3000 pages that we're going to click through for one product. If we can break that down to four categories and only have 10 pages we're going to click through, I think that would be a lot better for search crawlers and for customers at the end. Awesome answer to that question there. Cause I, as you were like talking about essentially for cool budget, it's about getting rid of that dead weight or getting rid of pages or or anything that you can optimize that cool budget. So for some of our listeners, they might not have heard, or it's the first time that they're hearing this term cool budget. We did do an SEO jargon episode a couple of episodes back, but just quickly, in your words, what is cool budget? So it is the amount of time and the amount of pages that Google will spend on your website. So there's no number. Um, we can look at some of the old um, webmaster tools or I call, still call it webmaster tools. <laughs> Search console. <laughs> you can so tell, you can tell when someone's been in the game for a while when they still say uh, that term. <laughs> yeah. So we can see in search console and it's really like the old version. I don't know if they've brought it over to the new version yet, but we can see like how long Google's crawling on your site or how many like they have like time spent on site or um, what's the big one they have? Like how much they've downloaded, yeah. um, how many pages they've been in. And using log files would be great for this, though it's really hard to get log files. Um, I, I try with a lot of my customers but, or my clients, but they, they really are tough to pull out because there's so much data in them. Hmm. Um, but just knowing how, how much Google goes through. But the idea of crawl budget is that there's only a, a, a specific amount that they're going to crawl. We can increase that or decrease that by just having like great content or being coming more popular of a website. As I said, like Amazon probably has a huge crawl budget. While if you were just going to start an e-commerce site today and you put a million products up there, Google may get through all those million products at first, but maybe they won't keep coming back because you're not really in demand of a website. So part of your crawl budget is just understanding that Google is not going to be on every single of your page yes. every single day and guiding them to where we want them to be. So Trying we don't to want make them the to waste their time. Yeah, we don't want them to waste their time in kind of an endless loop of, you know, 10,000 facet pages or, or things like that. And we yeah. want them to say, like, if you only got 30 minutes, where do we want you to go? And here's, here's the sections. When you're doing technical, what technical t- tool can't you live without? What's your go-to? So just from like Screaming Frog is, is probably definitely the, the number one, but it's, it's mostly because it's quick, it's easy, it's on my computer. I, um, it's, you know, for the 99 pounds it is or, or whatever the, the price of it is, it's like the best price tool out there. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's it, for a it, year, isn't it? It's like something like 150 for the whole year. It's really yeah, reasonable. It's, it's great. And, and that's great because now everybody on my team has it. So we don't, we don't have to battle over like who has the login for this, <laughs> you know, this online tool or have to pay all these extra licenses. We pay a license for each one, but overall it's still cheaper than most. Yeah. And I think one of the things I love about Screaming Frog is that I can just pull it up and start crawling right now. The thing I don't like about it, and they're getting better at it, is that it kills my machine, right? So yeah. if you're running it, like you're not doing anything else, especially as you get deeper into the crawl. So if you have a site that's, 
under 10,000 pages, I'd say great, use that tool. But uh, we tend to also use uh, DeepCrawl as our kind of something that just runs. I have, uh, I check my clients, um, some clients weekly, but most of them are monthly. Hmm. And then, then at the beginning of the month, I'll go in and it'll give me a report of everything. And I don't have to worry about running that while well, Screaming Frogs on demand. Something like Deep Crawl is, I have it scheduled and it gives me month over month or however times you run it. You know, we don't, sometimes in the technical side, things don't get implemented so fast. <laughs> so doing things like daily is not worth it unless you are a, like a team that launches new stuff every day. But we do that all the time. And that way I can go through and be like, over time, we've increased or decreased our broken pages by this amount or over time we've you know cleaned up so many of these 302 redirects and went with a 301 redirect so yeah. it gives us those those reportings which i think screaming frog does not there is a kind of a happy medium right now between those is a site bulb which is yes i've heard of site bulb site bulb is kind of like the best of both of those right where it is screaming frog where it runs on your own computer it doesn't seem to bog down my computer nearly as much and okay. it keeps the files on there where now I can compare last crawl to this crawl. I can have like a project and compare all the different crawls in there. And their pricing is actually overall cheaper than Screaming Frog if you have a team because the initial price for one license is more expensive, but the additional licenses, you're not paying full price. You're actually, I think it's 10 or $15 okay. for each additional license. So when you have a team of 10, you're not paying... 1500 you're paying you know more like 400 or something like that for so, it. so it, it works that way so what i'm getting the feel of here is so obviously you've talked about three different tools there but each tool is better for different situations there so exactly yeah awesome cool and they all, they all kind of do the same thing they're all yeah. crawlers they're all getting me technical issues they just some of them have their benefits over others yeah. awesome what have you worked on for a client technically that you have been most proud of? What were the sort of results? So I've had, it's interesting. It's it's still a current client though. We've reduced scope a a lot recently, but they, I got a call or our company got a call and um, there was an e-commerce site that launched on a whole new platform. And they really like were, they were doing well before they're a pretty big name in e-commerce industry. Uh, they, They have a ton of retail stores, like, 4,000 retail stores across the United States. That is doing pretty well. (laughs) Yeah. So, but they, they launched a new website and over the period of eight months, they, their website went to like, they lost $5 million, we'll say over that time. And it was trending down and trending down and they brought us in and literally during our like pitch and our like talking with them, they, you know, once they signed, they the guy who was leading the project told the whole development team, listen to everything he has to say, (laughs) which is usually not what happens. (laughs) And we were able to get a whole bunch of things implemented, like everything from changing all the URL structures, changing the way Google like crawls, even on page code. And we, we went through it. We knocked it all out within like two or three months, which is the fastest I've had that much work done. Once we launched, we saw an initial like bump. And I was like, great, this is working. Mm. <laughs> uh, we went up like 20% and, and that was awesome. And then we hit like a little rocky road where we went back down a little bit for about three months. Unfortunately, that was during their prime season, which did not bode well for me. I thought um, at this time we had like two or three months left on our contract. And I was like expecting to totally be, you know, let go at that point <laughs> because like everything we did, they did a ton of work and paid a lot of money to developers to get that implemented. And then there was an update um, in Google 
And whatever we did, Google loved our up. Like, I don't know if they were penalized or whatever, but there was a new update. Right. And all of a sudden we just saw it doubling every day, every day, every day um, to the point where they are now running about 9 million more than they were running before. Um, awesome. And we, we saw about 500% increase in traffic and something like 395% increase in revenue within the 12 month period there. So that was one of these like examples where we did nothing with content. We did nothing with um, really the design of the site. We focused 100% on just fixing their technical barriers and we saw giant increases, and which, that, was, which was awesome. And that, folks, just goes to show how important the technical side of your website is for SEO. <laughs> yeah, totally. And and now I'm trying to push to them, like, we need to do your content, yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, once we get your foundation fixed, it's like, now we need to change your windows Definitely. out and we need to, like, you know, put new carpet in. And I love, so, um, so obviously you said about, the Google bringing out an update which helped your numbers because whenever there is a update so there was a core one wasn't there this month this month and it's always a bit of a scary time for websites because you don't quite know how you're gonna how you're gonna do and how you're gonna fare (laughs) Um, but yeah it sounds like for that client you did well no it it was (laughs) unusually I don't worry too much about core updates and things like that because I'm not I'm not buying links. I'm not a link builder at all. So most of my stuff is always in a benefit. Um, Usually I don't see a big lift though either. So when a core update comes out, I'm not like, great, this update, I think they might've been hit with the Fred update. And I'm trying to remember that that was what it was. And then, and I think that was part of some of the, the issues that we had. And then kind of one of the updates to clean that up, I think really, so when we were going up and we saw that little dip, I think we kind of fell into like just, things that Google knew about our site from the past. And then when there was another update, it, it was like two months later and then it just skyrocketed. So we, we were super excited that it happened. So it Pat on was, the back, uh, Pat on the back there. Yeah, exactly. And that's like when I kind of, I wish it was like yesterday because this was happened like two or three years ago where <laughs> now, now my case studies are getting a little old. <laughs> uh, so. Awesome. Okay. So also on LinkedIn, it says that another area that you focus on is site performance mm-hmm. analytics business intelligence and IT quite a lot there so I have a couple of questions around this sort of area and then looking at the time because obviously we've got to save time for the future because that's the whole reason you came on the podcast wasn't it yes I think we're both (laughs) ramblers though so (laughs) yes we are we are we're good at it though Jeff we're good at it cool so first question what is important for site performance? Uh, so, I mean, since Google has said that site performance and page speed is important for ranking algorithms, that that's kind of what got me into it, right? As an SEO, I'm trying to find any leverage that I can have to beat out the competition. So if I'm, you know, faster than the competition, that's a, you know, a tick on my side of the board that says, I, at least I win in that section there. But as I've learned more about site performance, you learn a lot more about the site conversions uh, and engagement in the site. If your site is fast and and when you click on a page, you're not waiting five seconds or 10 seconds for the page to load. Important. Um, people stay on, yeah, people stay on your site longer and then they end up converting more. Happy days. Um, 
you use less server responses or server time where now it actually costs less to run a website because your servers aren't being held up and you're not sending as much traffic and data. So now your data packages are cut down. You spend less money on content delivery networks because you're not hosting as many files up there. And again, they're not using as much bandwidth as you could. So there's a lot that goes into site performance that is way more than just SEO. And that's (laughs) kind of when I learned that I'm like, this is a whole industry in itself, uh, making things faster. And and even like with apps and stuff like that, I haven't really gotten into that side of it, but I think that's also really important. So people, we want fast. <laughs> maybe we if should. If you're slow, we're going to ignore it. Maybe we should get you back on to talk about apps potentially yeah. in the future. Just, uh, you know, putting that idea out there. As long as you're not scared off by your first time. Cool. Awesome. So what sort of analytics do you measure? So I, um, part of my job currently uh, as a platform engineer, the side of my job is that I am working a lot in tag management software. Um, yes. we, we are a huge Adobe shop here. We Search Discovery created a tool called Satellite, which got bought by Adobe and became Adobe Digital Tag Manager. That is actually being sunset. I think this May or June, they like they everything goes into read-only mode, so you can't actually update any of your websites. So everybody is kind of like rushing to get to their Adobe launch implementation launches the new tool that is replacing uh, Adobe DTM. And uh, so when we, we do that, I, I really work on the kind of the implementation side of analytics, but as an SEO and especially, you know, if your SEO is at small shops and you're doing your own reporting, you're doing things like that. So that's kind of the business intelligence side of it. Like a lot of BI right. tools, you're using Data Studio. We, we use Domo a lot here and um, been doing a lot of Datarama from Salesforce. But um, the, a lot of the ideas there, like, and SEO is tough, right, with our, <laughs> with our metrics because I, and especially being like a cynical SEO like me, I could, <laughs> I could point like, take this number with a grain of salt, but you're ranking number four. And, yeah. and, and it's like, well, that's only if you're in my location or there, yeah. but you're not over here. And, you know, it's, that's our whole depends type of yeah, thing. Yeah. But the, the core metrics of, you know, our, you know, sessions, time on site, things like that, we kind of package in there as like our engagements. I've been trying to bring a lot more technical reporting to our team where, you know, just having a technical scorecard, how are we doing with, and this is where we use deep crawl and use their API to pull into something like that, a studio, but how many you know, four fours have we had? What, what kind of crawl rate? Um, Deep crawl has one chart that I love to show customers where it shows like good pages and bad pages. Basically, there, there's better terms than that. <laughs> but I like to show someone like, hey, your site is 54% good pages, but you know, 46% bad pages. We need to get those bad pages down. And that, that's kind of like stuff I try to uh, measure in there. And then I always have this idea of building my own metric score and I'm going to announce it to the world today is that um, my score is called the poop score. It's the power (laughs) of organic pages. (laughs) And uh, it's going to really tell you how full of poop your site is. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) No, it's, it's one of those ones I I joke about, but I I do want (laughs) to learn to take all these tools, mix them together and come up with a score. Like, you know, Moz has their domain authority. Yeah. Everybody has, it's similar to that. Like we want to know how good our sites are doing and our pages are doing and, I want to know that compared to my competitors. So trying to pull in any outside data I can pull into, um, especially like in performance. I spent a lot this Christmas season measuring performance of the e-commerce industry. So I could tell my clients, like I measured 150 different websites page speed over this last week and they were here and you were here. So we need to do better or, Hey, we're actually doing pretty good because I can give them a number. But I like, I'll say Google says be under two seconds, but if everyone's at 10 seconds and you're at four seconds, 
it's like, yes, I can push it, but we're, we can actually push other things. Like we're already doing pretty well. Is that research anywhere? So you know how you said that you spent the time doing that research? It it, it will be. I, uh, I have it all and I just, I'm really bad at writing blog posts. (laughs) So, but that is my goal. Um, and it was actually going to be the week between Christmas and New Year's where everyone's off, I was going to write it. And then I spent too much time with the family, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but I do want to write that up just to, to show it. And actually I've been like in my head thinking, I'm going to rerun the test to see like if after the Christmas holiday, if it got any better. Well, when, when it is live, if you do let me know and then I can shout about it on All right. on this podcast, because I do think that sort of research and, and things like that is really good and helpful for, for SEO because you've got a yep. benchmark then. And yeah, that... Does sound awesome when you, yeah. So no pressure, no no, pressure. pressure. (laughs) Awesome. All right. One more question and then we'll move on to the feature. So do you have a question for me? I mean, we could get deep and you could ask me the meaning of life, but you know, I don't know how qualified I am for that. (laughs) Let's go. uh, What's your favorite football team? Oh, I don't do football. Yeah, that's okay. I'm really sorry. That's, I mean, I could no, that's all right. I could say my local, which is Leicester City. Yeah. But that would I, be lying. I don't have a favorite either, so. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to American football, I do, but it's, uh, I, I have a lot of friends who are in the, like, love the Premier League, and okay. they're all, like, either, like, Man City fans or something like that, so it just made me think what was out there. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I'm the rubbish, uh, yeah, I've, I've never really, you could ask me my favorite roller derby team. What's your favorite roller derby team? Well, I have to be biased and say my own one, don't I? Yes. Leicestershire Dolly Rocket Rollers. And you did say, didn't you, when we were talking before the podcast that you're taking one of your children to see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm taking my youngest daughter. She's nine and loves roller skating and loves uh, wrestling people. So she's a And that is roller derby, folks. (laughs) And I told her, I was like, there's this thing called roller derby we should go see. And she's super excited to go see it, so... Oh, well, when you get around to do the research, you should also let us know how that goes. And, you know, we could do a little Jeff update on one of our future podcasts. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much for letting me sort of pick your brains there. Question is, question is now, are you ready for the future? Ready as I'll ever be. Okay. I've been, I've been studying everything. That everything. Study. Everything that could possibly be. <laughs> well, seeing as we're, the saying goes over the pond to each other, yeah? So mm-hmm. you're over in the USA and I'm here in the UK. Yes. I thought it would be fun to test your UK food brand, brand knowledge. I should okay. have. I should have come up with a... <laughs> I don't know, a snappier and memorable title for the future, but obviously I couldn't. And that's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> UK foods brand. Not Yeah. Anyway. All right. <laughs> so I have a list of food brands and you need to tell me what food they do. Okay. Ooh, okay. All right. And I'm it's going fish, to... It's fish and chips, everything. <laughs> we just eat fish and chips. That's all we eat, Jeff. <laughs> I'm going to start off easy. Just because I'm nice. And we'll start off with walkers. Hmm. I am going to say fish and chips. No, it's crisps. <laughs> what is it? Crisps. Oh, crisps. Gotcha. I think, it, is which, it Lay's? Which are fries? 
this 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 bit of the podcast could get very confusing couldn't it but yes the reason that I did start with walkers is because walkers started where I'm from so in in Leicestershire so obviously I had to start with that but unfortunately you got that one wrong but to be fair we're at the start so you could bring it back cathedral city what do you think cathedral city do Mm. cathedral city it would be some sort of pies unfortunately the answer Uh i was looking for was cheese (laughs) cheese oh i love cheese too would it be okay i think i'll give you like a little clue to go with the next ones okay that might be good yeah if it was uh (laughs) we had some um you know abc tests (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, guess (laughs) okay so quaker and quake so this food you'd typically have in the morning a muffin unfortunately porridge oh i don't know much about english food i guess (laughs) if you did this test on me okay branston and with this it's like an accompaniment so not quite a sauce but you'd put it on a sandwich um people people tend to put it if you're having a cheese sandwich basically giving you this one on the plate here excuse the pun yes nice there we go got one (laughs) okay next one anchor now what's a good clue for this it's pretty essential i'd say most people use it every day you might not if you're on a diet Ah, um, so you put it on a sandwich, you said? You can put it on a sandwich. Is it a spread? It is. Is it it mayonnaise? Butter. (laughs) Butter. All right. So we'll give you that one. I get Kerrygold Irish butter. Oh, do you? Yeah, that's the one brand we definitely get out here. Uh, I think we, I think the States ever since like, the paleo diet came out and things like that where grass fed grass you know butter is it's huge they're like the big brand everyone goes for so i know that one but that's not english irish <laughs> actually runs in my family jeff little fun, okay. fun top tip not not top tip fun fact <laughs> who knows what i'm talking about right john yeah. west so what's a good clue for this you find it in the water a certain so obviously you have people who are veggies or vegans. Okay. You, I don't so know. I mean, I'm guessing that. it's fish because it's found in the water. Yes. <laughs> but to know the type of fish. Well, I will say. Yeah. I will say. I mean, I guess the biggest fish I know of is like tunas. Yes. All right. Okay, you're bringing. I was going to say sardines for some reason, but I went with tuna. You're bringing it back. Bounty. What do you think bounty is? So. With the bounty. Oh, okay. So in the UK, Christmas time, or pretty much throughout the year, but at Christmas times you get big tubs of these and yeah, and it's full of different types. Is it popcorn? No. It's oh, oh cookies, chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> chocolate, sorry. Right. Okay. I'll give you half a point. Okay. If you can tell me what is in the chocolate. So is it Caramel, is it coconut, or is it a Brazil nut? I'm going to say caramel. No, coconut. Coconut, okay. The bounty sounds quite exotic. 
Yeah, well, bounty in the United States is uh, paper towels. <laughs> oh, well, we do get, yes, we get bounties as well here. So, yes, I completely forgot about that as well. Tuck, spout T-U-C. It is, I'm just thinking of what else it's similar to. It's, when would you have a tuck? You'd have it as a snack, I imagine, or you could put stuff with it to make a, some sort of sandwich, not a stereotypical mm-hmm. sandwich. Is it like a cracker? It is a cracker. All right. Yeah. I don't know if that's what we call them out there. Right, but. hang on. <laughs> How many have you got? Right, so far. One, two, three, four. Four out of eight. So we're half, 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 50%. Okay. So last two. Activia and it's dairy. What are you saying? Uh, it's yogurt, right? It is. Do you get Activia? Yeah, we- yeah, we have activity. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I feel like, yes. I, I mean, you got it. You got it. Skips. Ooh, that sounds like a, sounds like it would be some sort of chip type of thing. When, what do you mean when you say chip? Is in like crisp oh, yeah. chip or a French fry chip or a... Potato, uh, I mean, a potato well, was, chip is crisps for you as well, isn't it? Yeah, we'll say potato chip. Yes, it is. It just sounds like it would be. Okay, for bonus point, right, what flavor? So skips, like, have a known flavor to them. Salt and vinegar? No, prawn cocktail. Uh, oh, I, that's all I just know is salt and vinegar chips. <laughs> <laughs> Big over there. Uh, right, how, let's, let's to, total up your score. One, two, three. Six out of ten. So you got... I thought I was going to Way better than I thought I was going to do. Well, you got more right than you got wrong. So, I mean, I did have a funny um, sort of forfeit for the loser. And I mean, seeing as you did technically win, I should do the forfeit. But if you fancy doing the forfeit after I have, please do. But I thought it'd be fun to admit to a funny food related fail. So where you've cooked or baked something and you've got it horribly wrong. Oh, okay. That's like half my time. (laughs) So so the one for me was it was the first time I was making a cheesecake and I couldn't find mascarpone cheese in the shop. And in my young age, the next, nowadays, I know that you just get a cream cheese like Philadelphia. But my brain was like, because I usually had cream cheese on a bagel like savory I was like why would you put that in a cake so instead of going for the soft cheese for some unknown reason I opted for cottage cheese so I made a lemon cheesecake using cottage cheese and oh my gosh those lumps were not light shifting and (laughs) it was yeah I think I was making it for the family were over for dinner and my grandma bless her she she was a trooper and she ate the whole slice and yeah and I was just wow. so so that there's my food <laughs> fail. Let's see. I have a a bunch of no well, maybe not a bunch. I I do my fair share of cooking, but I kind of specialize. I love barbecue and right um and smoked meats and things like that. So I've learned over time to like. I, I usually don't have many fails there, but um I have when I put stuff in the oven and try to bake <laughs> there, there have been plenty of cakes that have fallen. There have been plenty of 
things that don't come out right. And I think <laughs> one of my biggest fails where I try just something that would be simple too, right, is, is cookies. And right. it was mostly um, my set the wrong time on the timer, probably about 20 minutes too long. <laughs> and uh, we had burnt like the fire alarms were going oh, off nice. and the sirens were going. I let it go way too long. And uh, you know what? I take this all back. Why? The worst. Oh, the worst you got that one. I was 13. And, and I always, I put this out of the back of my head, but my mom always lets me, doesn't let me live it down. I was making a uh, funnel cake. I don't know. Uh, I don't, you're going to have to. It's like a, you, you fill up a pan with some oil and it's kind of a, a pastry you're making where you pour kind of like a pancake, but you're pouring it in like a fun design and it fries up and you put confectioner sugar on top. Right. Okay. Um, I was 13 at the time, probably shouldn't have been working with frying oil <laughs> and um, had an oil fire and the cabinets above the stove caught on fire. Oh my Lord. And um, I you know, was smart enough. I knew we had a, a fire extinguisher. I put it all out, but my parents were out of town <laughs> and um, they actually were just coming home. Like, as I'm putting, like spraying the fire um, extinguisher out, they walk in the door and the house is full of smoke. Oh, um, that was my biggest fail. And I, I was young. I was 13. So it, it was okay. But yeah, so, we, had to, like, we had to like sand down all the cabinets and paint them. Like they weren't, they didn't destroy them, but they were ruined. So when you so. bake, it is a bit of a hazard. Like anything could happen. Small fires. Yeah. And that's or... why I'm, that's why I'm outside. Like, <laughs> that's why I use a smoker outside. <laughs> it's safer for you and everyone it's else. Safer for everyone else. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, unfortunately, Jeff, as much as I'd love to just carry on chatting about SEO, food fails and all manner of different things, that yes. is the end of this week's podcast. So thank you so much for coming on and agreeing to be interviewed. How, if people want to get in touch with you or, you know, like see what you're doing or what you're up to, yeah. how can they do that? So I am on Twitter as um, at Jeff Luella. Um, most everything I sign up for is at Jeff Luella because I am not original. Um, yeah. And I and I also like to use my name because if I used a, a fake alias, then I would probably would pick fights with people because they wouldn't know who I was. So I, I decided that for my own you know, safety in life, let's use my real name everywhere. Also, I run the uh, Reddit subreddit for technical seo so the the subreddit tech seo we do tons of AM, like an ama every month so ama is asking me anything but you'll you'll find me on there hosting those and getting you know all my um, customers on there or not customers but uh, people speaking and i keep calling people customers i don't know why <laughs> everyone's a customer <laughs> and and um and also page two podcasts um you'll find us where we're, we're release uh, a new episode every week um we are in season two um which i'll say is the best season mostly because i am on season two i wasn't on season one <laughs> uh, but they're, they're all great and we have some really good uh, people coming up but that's um at page two podcasts on twitter but again like those are most of the spots where you'll find me i mean i'm on all the other socials but um, facebook is mostly i use for personal stuff I, I used to fly drones a lot so i have a youtube channel but i won't promote that that's just me being goofy with my drone <laughs> Awesome stuff. And to get in touch with us, we are on Twitter. So the podcast is SEO underscore SAS. I am Sarah McDuck and Hannah has recently decided to join Twitter and she is SEO SAS Hannah. So she's very new to the platform so please go and find her, follow her because that would be awesome. We're both on LinkedIn and we have an email address and that is hello at 
seosaspodcast.com. Have you had a good time, Jeff? Oh, I had an amazing time. I always love talking to you. Awesome. Awesome. You're making me smile and blush at the same time. <laughs> I always love learning about the, the English culture also. <laughs> well, I've had a hoot as well. And I think we've just got to say goodbye now. All right. Well, goodbye. Bye.